Turn with me, please, John 11, 1 through 4. One of the great chapters of Scripture, John 11, 1 to 4. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Happy Sabbath. Dorothy and I want to say it's, it's good to be back with you folks. Because uh, you will have part of our heart for a long, long time. Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, out in the foyer, I see a box of pears and a box of tomatoes. Uh, there should be a sign over it that says, Help Yourself. Uh, the, toma- uh, the tomatoes are vine-ripened, so they are nice and good. The, apple, uh, the pears came off the tree, too. And uh, I tried to spray them. But I guess I sprayed them all at the wrong time because uh, you'll find a nice some nice protein in them too. <laughs> uh, you find that if you leave pears on the tree too long and they ripen on the tree, then they're all mush inside. Uh, I tried to pick most of them before that happened. You might find one or two that were a little bit too long on the tree, but you can always find something good in all the pears, so... I don't want to take any of that stuff home, so help yourself. Uh, somebody that said this morning that, well, they didn't want to take too much. They want to leave something for everybody else, and I says, well, the early bird gets the worm, so the early bird at the pile, there are some little bags back there. Help yourself and enjoy them. Now, we were over at Willits last week, and we took another box of tomatoes over there and another box of uh, pears over there. And I don't know what we're going to do with the rest of them when I get home. (laughs) In the praise time, somebody referred to the letter that uh, the Pope had written, the encyclical letter, which is one of the highest authoritative letters by the Pope. How many read anything about it? Okay, some of you did. Uh, I thought maybe I would just read a little bit here of a synopsis of some of the things that he has said and what his uh, uh, desires are. He gave a copy of this letter to the President of the United States, all nicely leather-bound. And as I read it through, I thought, hmm, these are the, some of the same things that he was saying. Uh, one of the th- uh, ten points was a global government. He calling, is calling for a global government. The Pope is calling for a true world political authority to fix the problems that plague the world. Church and state. The Pope says that this new political authority will make its decisions based on spiritual values. Whose values? The spiritual values cannot be derived from just any religion, since not all religions are equal. The church must influence all areas of society, since God must have a place in the public realm especially in regards to its cultural, social, economic, and particularly its political dimensions. 
the political authority must have real teeth and be vested with effective power to enforce its laws around the world. The new world government power will institute socialistic policies for government to redistribute wealth. Labor unions are to be empowered to play a decisive role in the new world order. Pope Benedict says that this encyclical letter is to help achieve the goal of the history of, hum of the human family to build the universal city of God. Religious liberty. While claiming not to interfere in any way in the policies of state, the Pope redefines liberty as happening when the world obeys laws shaped by the Roman Church spiritual values. According to the Pope, as the Church influences state to enforce its views of truth on other people, this mission of truth is something that the Church can never renounce. The non-biblical belief that man has an immortal soul helps to inspire the Pope gospel global agenda. Man is God's creature whom God chose to endow with an immortal soul. These are the part of the letter that the Pope has sent out to all of its members and also gave to the President of the United States who seem to be pretty thrilled with it. Yeah, we can stick it on the bulletin board and anybody who wants, wants it can have a copy of it. I have a question I'd like to start off with this morning. How many of you have your Bible here with you? I want to see it. Lift up your Bible. I want to see how many have the Bible. Okay, good. Good. We should bring our Bibles every week to church because that's our guidebook. Another question that I'd like to ask in relationship to the Bible is the Bible has in it a lot of stories, as you have noticed. What's the experience of telling all these stories? Is there a reason for it? I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. And we will find the reason why all these things are recorded here. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Oh, before we do any further, where are the deacons? I want a couple of deacons to come up here and I want you to pass these things out. While we're waiting for them, I'll pass out one. Okay, here's another one. I want one of them, too. I want to know where I'm going. <laughs> the second question I asked is the first question on the sheet of paper. Why does the Bible record these many, many different experiences in the Bible? Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Sometimes some of the stories that are written in there, uh, we might wonder, are they uh, really, should they be in there or should they be put on the classified uh, unreadable sections? But they're recorded and there is a reason. What does John uh, Paul say in Romans 15, 4? Whatsoever things were written before were written why? For our learning that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have what? Hope. Why were all these things written in the word of God? To teach us and to give us hope. In our scripture reading this morning, we read about a little bit of the story of Lazarus and how he got sick. 
Why was that story recorded in the Word of God? You just told me to repeat it. <laughs> so we might learn something. And that we might have what? Hope. What can we learn from the story of Lazarus? That life after death is real. Okay. Well, I, w- I probably would have put it this way, that there is a resurrection. <laughs> what else is, can we learn from it? When we are dead, when we die, we simply sleep. These are also, we can learn from it, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Yeah, very true. These stories are recorded for our learning that we might have hope. But do you know Jesus actually tells us why it's there? Let's go to John chapter 11 and look at verse 42. John chapter 11 and verse 42. Sometimes we read these stories and we miss some of the points. But Jesus tells us here why all this is here. John 11, verse 42. And I know that Jesus is talking here. And I know that you always hear me. He's praying to God. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may what? Believe that you sent me. Jesus said this experience here is recorded, is happening in order that the people standing around here might believe that you, Father, are my Father, I am your Son, and you were the one that sent me here. So as we look at this, then we should learn also what? That Jesus is the divine Son of God. He came from the Father. But there is something else that we need to learn from this story. That unless we learn it, we will not be able to stand in the time of trouble ahead of us. Something very, very important. That's question number three. And this is what we need to learn. That God has a plan for your life. And if we trust his leading, even if we don't understand, our lives will be blessed and God's name will be glorified. Are you going to have to do this type of what? Editing and put it down close? God has a plan for your life. And if we trust his leading, even if we don't understand, our lives will be blessed and God's name will be glorified. That is something that each one of us needs to know, to learn, if you and I are going to stand in the time of trouble ahead of us. For what does Roman 8, 28 says? All things work together for what? To good, to them that love the Lord. Let us take it now and let's just look at the story of Lazarus. It's found from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. And I'm not going to take time to read the whole thing. Uh, I could, but uh, I won't. I'll have use time for something else. But let's look at verses 1, 2, and 3. It was part of our scripture uh, reading. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of uh, Mary and her sister Martha. That was the Mary who anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love 
is sick. Now, the home of Mary and Martha in Bethany, which is just outside of the city of Jerusalem, just over the top of the Mount of Olives, was sick. This home had been a refuge for Jesus. Jesus often went to this home because here he found true friendship. He found a place of peace and quietness where he could relax and be away from the hatred, the jealousy, the envy, the suspicion of the Jewish leaders. You know, it's always nice to have a place where you can let down and relax and enjoy peace and happiness. And this is what Jesus enjoyed in the home of Mary and Martha. This place of peace and quietness now has changed because something has happened. Lazarus has become sick. Now, you know when somebody in your house is sick, sick unto death, that joy and that peace and the quietness has what? Kind of left. So this home now is disturbed and worried, and they send a message to who? To Jesus. What message, question for what message did Mary and Martha send to Jesus? The one that you love is sick. Why did they send that message to Jesus? Any ideas? They, they knew that he could heal him. They were hoping what? That he would come quickly. Therefore, they sent a messenger to Jesus with the anticipation that he would come very quickly and put the, his hands upon Lazarus and Lazarus would be made well. When the messenger came back from seeing Jesus, Jesus wasn't with him. He came back, as you might say, empty-handed. But he did have a message from Jesus. Now, what was that message? This sickness is what? Not unto death. How do you suppose that message affected Mary and Martha? Made them happy? No, just the opposite. Because stop and I want you to do a little bit of math. After Jesus received the word that Mary and Martha, uh, that Lazarus is sick, how long did he wait? Two days. Two days. When Jesus arrived and said, roll away the stone, what did Mary and Martha say? Too late, he's been dead for how long? Four days. Now let's do a little bit of figuring. If Jesus waited two days, and when he got there, he had been dead for four days, how long did it take Jesus to get from where he was to where Lazarus was? Well, it might have taken one day. Let's just figure, first of all, the shortest time would be one day. One day for the messenger to get to Jesus. Jesus waits two days and one day to come back. That's four days. When Mary and Martha got the answer, Lazarus was probably dead. One day to go, gave the word, and Jesus says, this is not unto death. He came back. Lazarus is probably already dead. And the messenger is saying what? This sickness is not unto death. What do you suppose took place 
in Mary and Martha's heart about this time, in their minds. I am suspicious that Satan probably came and says, Jesus really doesn't care anything about you. He could have healed him. He could have just spoken the word and it would have been healed. Jesus has forgotten all about you folks. He's just been using you. You suppose Satan might have come with these thoughts to Mary and Martha? There was a seed planted for doubt. Maybe about who Jesus really was. If Jesus really cared for them. If Jesus really, God was really with them. This seed of doubt was placed. Because the messenger came and said what? It's not unto death. But there's Lazarus already dead. Do we find ourselves in the same situation at times? God makes promises to us. And we turn to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I'm sick, or I have just lost my job, or my house has gone into foreclosure. We just had a car accident and the car's destroyed and I have no money to buy a new car. Lord, please help me. And nothing seems to change. What comes to your mind? Did my prayers get above the ceiling here? What's happening? Does God hear? Does God care? I think that you, these thoughts have come to your mind because I know they have come to my mind. Often we say, well, if only, which is the title of the sermon, if only God had answered, this wouldn't have happened. If only God would heal him. If God, if you'll only give me a job, I'll be faithful in tithe paying. God, if you'll only give me a job where I don't have to work on the Sabbath, I'll be happy to keep the Sabbath. If only you'll do as I think you should do, Things will all be okay. We know the answers to all of our problems. If only, God, you would listen to me, I wouldn't have the problems that I've got today. If you'd only answer my prayers, if only, things would be so different. If things don't go the way I feel that they should go, I'm tempted to doubt God still leading and guiding in my life that he loves me and that he will care for me. Just because I love Jesus and just because Jesus loves me does not guarantee that we shall be free from pain, suffering, problems, and even death. Just because I love Jesus and just because Jesus loves me does not guarantee that I no longer have problems. Did Jesus have problems while he was on earth here? Did he suffer? Was he humiliated as he hung on the cross? Because often they hung the individuals on the cross nude. Yet Jesus three times says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Did God love Jesus? Yes. Then why didn't God answer? God had a plan for you and for me. And it involved the death, the suffering of Jesus Christ in order to help us, to save us. Just because Jesus 
trusted the Father, just because Jesus loved the Father, just because the Father loved Jesus, did not guarantee that Jesus wouldn't die. God had a plan for you and for me. And he still has a plan for your life and my life. It is not important that our desires are fulfilled and we are comfortable. What is important is our salvation and that God's name is glorified. If we lose our job, if we have family problems, if sickness or death comes, what happens to our faith, our trust? It shakes at times. But what does the Bible tell us? The just shall live how? By faith. By trusting that God is leading. The just shall live by faith. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. I might not understand the plan. I might not understand why all the problems. But I need to have faith and trust that God is still leading. And that God will see me through if I trust in him. When Jesus received the message of Lazarus' sickness, the disciples thought he treated it rather coolly. Because what did the disciples expect Jesus to do? Well, let's go, let's go, let's get on and head out so we can help him. But Jesus, what? Doesn't do anything. He just continues on as though nothing has happened. He has received no message. He goes on and carries on his work. What comes to the disciples' thoughts? What's wrong with him? Doesn't he really care? Doesn't he really love? Doesn't he want to help? Is that something he can't do? I'm sure all these thoughts came to the disciples. Because it seemed as though Christ didn't show much sympathy, much feelings, not much interest. But what Jesus said was very important. Let's look at verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. God had a plan, or Jesus had a plan, for not going and healing Lazarus. God, Jesus, had a plan why he did not go to heal Lazarus when he received the message. Did Mary and Martha know what that plan was? No. Did the disciples know what that plan was? No. Just because they did not understand the plan, did that nullify the plan? No. God has a plan, and he'll see his plan through if we but let him. Satan desires all of us to become discouraged, downhearted, and to begin to doubt God. What took place in the Garden of Eden? Eve, if you just partake of this fruit, ah, you'll become 
wise. You'll become like gods. You'll, you'll improve. But God had said what? No, that's not my plan. My plan is you don't touch that fruit. But Satan created doubt. And Eve partook. And gave to Adam. And Adam partook. I'd like you to take your Bibles with me and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look at verse 10. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. Well, let's read 9 and 10. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. What does that verse tell us? There's a mystery. He has a purpose. Then let's go on. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. There's a mystery. The mystery of the plan of salvation. And that mystery was to reveal God's love. When Satan rebelled in heaven, God could have, what? Wiped him out. Why didn't he? He wanted the angels to love him. He wanted to give opportunity to Satan to develop what he says he could do and would do. So the angels could see that God was really a God of love, compassion, and understanding. And that his way is the best way. And that we too might know. God allows Satan to continue his work to open our eyes to know where sin leads to. rest of the angels would have said, boy, let's toe the line if we don't. And they would have served God out of fear. But God wants us to serve him because why? We love him. We keep the Sabbath, not because I fear God, but because I love him. I don't go here, I don't do this, I don't do that, not in order to earn salvation, but because I know God's way is the best way. I might not understand it, but he says it, and I will what? Do what is, I understand he wants of me because of my love for him. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Let's read verse 5 too. <laughs> Even when we were dead in trespasses, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up together, and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That purpose that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. When we rebelled against God, when we were out in the world, when we didn't know God, Jesus came down and what? Gave his life that we might have eternal life. In order that in the future, in the future, when we're all gathered together in the heavenly places, 
we would be able to see the wonderful love of God and have it demonstrated to the rest of the worlds. God has a plan that involves you and that involves me. We may not understand the plan, but we need to trust that he is leading. Not to doubt. We got into a little bit of this in the Sabbath school lesson. We need to trust that he is leading and guiding. Let's go to chapter 3, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. verse 10 to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by what by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places God has placed us here as a church for what purpose that we might show the wisdom, the love, the patience, the kindness, the wonderfulness of God to who? What's the text say? To the principalities and powers where? In heavenly places. We are the theater of the universe. They all are looking down on you and me Looking to see, does God really love? Is God's way really the best way? We are the actors. And God's purpose is for you and me to reveal Jesus Christ. In all that we say, in all that we do, and in our trust of him. When Jesus finally announced to the disciples, it's time to go to Jerusalem. The disciples really weren't too, um, too excited about that. Because they say what? Jesus, they were ready to kill you last time you were there. Are you going? If you go, we'll go and die with you. They had forgotten what? had forgotten about Lazarus. But Jesus hadn't. And what does he tell? Let's go back to John chapter 11. I should have told you to keep John 11. John 11. These things, John 11 verse 11, these things... He said, and afterward that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I, what? May awake him up. The disciples said, well, if he's asleep, <laughs> that's the best thing for a sick person. Because that restores them and they'll get, he'll get better. Then Jesus said, what? No, 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 I don't mean he's just resting that way. He's dead. Jesus equates what? Death with sleep. But I go that I may awaken him. How did Jesus feel about not being there when Lazarus was sick? Let's go to verse 15. I am glad for your sake that I was not there. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Lazarus is sick and he's dying and I'm glad I'm not there. <laughs> Was it because he had no interest? Was he not there because he felt his life threatened? He was not there because he had a plan. He had a purpose. He had a bigger picture. Why was he glad? Verse 15, last part. 
I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, that ye or you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go. His purpose was to help his disciples believe. Didn't they already believe? Well, they believed that he was the Son of God. They believed that he was Christ. But he wanted to strengthen that faith because they were going to be the ones after he returned that was going to have to raise up the church and strengthen others. I'm glad I wasn't there in order that you might believe. Did Jesus have a reason for not being there? Yes. Does Jesus have a reason for not doing what Mary and Martha wanted? Yes. Does Jesus maybe have a plan for you when he doesn't do what you want him to do? Yes. When you spank a child, why did you spank your children? Why did you punish your children? Because you loved them. You wanted to teach them a lesson. You wanted to help them to understand. Jesus did not heal because he wanted to help them. He wanted to help you and me. God's plan was much better than the plan that Mary and Martha had, much better than the plan that the disciples had, because their faith was going to be strengthened. And others were going to see that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And Lazarus was going to be healed. What promise does Jesus make to you and me? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things that you have. For he himself has said, what? I will never leave you, nor forsake you. When we are having problems, when we're having difficulties, God says, I'm with you. I have a plan. Don't give up faith. Don't doubt I'm here, and I'm working in your behalf. We may leave God like Adam and Eve did. After they had sinned, they ran off and tried to hide. But what do we find God doing? Coming and looking for them. I'll never leave you. You may run from me, but I'm going to seek you. I won't leave you. Even though Mary and Martha might have thought that they were all alone, God was still with them. Even when they were suffering, even when they were mourning, because Jesus hadn't come and Lazarus had died, God says, I'm still here. I'm still with you. This is something that you and I need to learn. To trust God. No matter what happens. Don't give up faith. Don't give up trust. The just shall live how? By faith. In the Sabbath school lesson we talked about some of the early reformers. They were burned at the stake. But what did they do while they were being burned? 
they sang. Because they knew God was with them. And God's promises were true. We need to have the same faith in our life today. What about the three worthies? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king had said what? You bow down if you don't bow down into the fiery furnace. What did they say? Even after Nebuchadnezzar gave them a second chance, which shows that he really loved them, he really appreciated them. I'll give you another chance. Maybe, maybe, maybe something happened, you didn't hear the music or you didn't understand. I'll give you another chance. I wonder how many others he would have done that to. And they said what? We don't have to discuss this matter. We'll not bow down. We are not going to be unfaithful to our Lord. Even if you throw us into the fire furnace, we know that God will be with us. If God desires, he can save us. If he desires, sees best not to save us, that's okay. We're still going to be faithful to the Lord no matter what. You and I need to develop that type of faith. If we are going to stand in the last days. We also mentioned Sabbath school lesson Job. Everything went wrong for Job. Job says, I came into the world naked, I can go out of the world naked, but yet I know that what? I will see my Lord. He had faith and trust. In the story of Lazarus, Jesus had a much bigger picture that he was looking at. He was training his disciples for they were going to be his representatives after he returned. He was going to give to those around that tomb the strongest evidence that could be given that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. I'd like to take and just read a little out of Desire of Ages. In delaying to come to Lazarus, Christ had a purpose of mercy towards those who had not received him. He tarried that by raising Lazarus from the dead, he might give to his stubborn, unbelieving people another evidence that he was indeed the resurrection and the life. He was loath to give up all hope for the people, the poor wandering sheep of the house of Israel. His heart was breaking because of their impenitence. In his mercy he proposed to give them one more evidence that he was the restorer, the one who alone could bring life and immortality to life. This would be an evidence that the priest could not misrepresent. This was the reason for his delay in coming to Bethany. The crowning miracle, the raising of Lazarus, was to set the seal of God on his work and in, on his claim to divinity. Christ had a much bigger picture. When we have problems, our picture is very, very small. It includes me. But Jesus' picture is much, 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 much bigger. It includes my whole family. It includes my brothers and sisters in the church. It includes my neighbors. It includes the world. We need to trust that he is leading and guiding. We may have problems, testing, trials, we may suffer, and we probably don't know why, and we may never know why, but God has a reason, God has a plan. Satan is working, yes, but all things work together for good 
to them that love the Lord, to them that trust him. At the tomb, Jesus said, roll away the stone. And Mary and Martha said, but Jesus, there'll be a stench because he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said, did I not say that you would see the glory of the Lord? They rolled away the tomb, of the stone from the tomb. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and prayed to his father. He says, I pray to you in order that these folks around here might hear and might know that I am your son, that you are the one that sent me here. I'm here doing your will. Then he lifted up his voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. And the purpose that Jesus had was accomplished. He came forth. The strongest evidence of his divinity was given to all those around. And there were a lot of the priests and Pharisees there that ridiculed and were going to destroy Jesus. His picture also included you and me. As we read this story, which was written for our learning, we may know that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the resurrection and the life. He is coming again. And if we trust in him, he'll see us through all the problems that we have. We may die with the problems all around us, but they'll all come to an end when he comes in the clouds of glory. Will we believe that Jesus is leading? That Jesus, my Savior, leads me all the way? Thank you, Father, for leading us day by day in our life. Lord, help us not to doubt your leading but help us to trust in you no matter what may fall. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.